Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of Dean's List. First, I want to let everybody know why I was gone for a week. I missed an episode last week, and that's because I've been inundated with so many things going on in my life, including producing several new projects. I'm releasing an album on August 10th, and it's just been a lot to deal with, so forgive me, but I skipped a week of the podcast, and I want to let you know that there might be times that I skip an episode, that I I miss putting stuff out, but trust me, I'm always going to be here and and putting this podcast out as long as people want to listen, so don't worry. I may be delayed. I may skip a week, but I'm always going to come back for new episodes. So this week, I'm going to tell a really incredible story about Waylon Jennings. And Waylon was a really good friend of my family's and a close friend to my mom and my brother and sister after my dad died. So he was he's always been very good to my family, and I'm going to share an incredible story about him. But first, I want to talk about some of this stuff going on in the world today. And I know that's a pretty general thing to say, in the world today, but... I don't want to get bogged down in specifics or political sides or parties or beliefs about conspiracies. All this stuff is just floating around out there. And it just feels like a lot of noise. And that noise is amplified by social media. Social media seems to have drifted away from what it was intended to be. I think, and I'd like to think, that it was intended to bring us closer together and share information about our lives and about things that are important. But unfortunately, a lot of people out there are using it to drive hate speech and to be argumentative and to jump on people at the slightest perceived offense and all this crazy stuff. I mean, if you weren't behind a keyboard or you weren't on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, would you speak to people the way you speak on social media? I don't think so. I don't think you turn to somebody at the grocery store and just start telling them your political beliefs or your your rage about something. It just seems to be that people get more comfortable when they start typing out words. And I don't know what that is. And frankly, I'm fed up with it. I like to use my platform to uplift people. And to be funny, frankly, I just want to be funny. I love making jokes out of everything. And when things are really painful, I I like to make even more jokes about that because I think it helps to lift people out of the helplessness of a situation. And I think right now we all feel pretty helpless. And sometimes when we feel helpless, we try to control what we can control. And for some people, that means telling you how it is, and this is what I know, and I heard this, and this is a conspiracy, and this is who's right, and this is who's wrong. And I think all of that comes out of a feeling that these people are losing control or that they don't have a handle on stuff. And once they can make someone else feel beaten, and I don't mean physically beaten, I mean beaten in an argument or a debate, if they can make someone else feel like they have, ooh, I gotcha, ooh, I gotcha, they feel like some kind of accomplishment. But in actuality, what you've done is defeat another person. What you've actually done is make another person feel bad. You've made another person feel defeated about themselves. And so when you start spouting all this stuff that really, honestly, most of it has no bearing on our personal lives, it's simply stuff that's, you know, being asked as a courtesy of us, or maybe it's somebody's disagreement about politics or something. It's so simple, man. Just relax. Everybody just relax. What if we made our first goal in life to be kind? What if kindness was our primary instinct? 
So when we walk in a grocery store, when we walk into a place of business, when we walk into a, a public place, what if we first thought, how can I be kind to everyone I encounter, even if I disagree with them, even if I believe they're stupid, even if I believe they believe something completely opposed to me, what does it hurt to be kind to them? And you know what's really interesting to me? Someone will make a remark, for example. They'll make a, a negative remark or an antagonistic remark. And then what does the other person do? They come back with something else. And then that person comes back with someone else. And then it just goes back and forth. You know, when someone says something to you, no matter how derogatory, no matter how horrible, no matter how much you disagree with it, you know, you don't have to respond. You don't. I mean, many, many times I can tell you stories in my life where people have tried to start a fight with me or antagonize me or argue with me. And I simply stand there in silence. Or if you feel like you must say something, once someone dumps a bunch of crud on you, why don't you just try going, wow, and continuing to look them in the eye with no words. When people say terrible things, rude things, mean things, and you're silent in response, they have to listen to their own words ringing in the air because you're not saying anything back. And often you can win an argument just by standing there, just by sitting there. So I have found that when I don't argue back, I'm happier inside, I'm less full of adrenaline and, and bile in my stomach, and my day goes better because it's not me that's responding, it's the other person just venting. And then I don't have to engage in that. And I'm a much happier person because of it. It's important to remember that nine times out of 10, you're not gonna change another person's mind. When you argue with them, you're simply gonna make them defend their position even further. Once you start to make another person feel wrong, most of the time they will dig in twice as hard and try to rise above you and make you feel even more wrong. Truly one of the strongest positions to take in an argument is to bring your energy down, to bring your energy lower and to bring people to your level of calm. It's called de-escalating a situation and yelling, screaming, arguing, pushing against another person escalates the situation. When you de-escalate a situation and it gets calmer and more quiet and more civilized, people are actually more likely to listen to you and you have more of a chance of changing their opinion in that position than you do screaming and yelling. But I think a lot of people are so adamant about finding a firm position to take and then just not moving off it. And then they use that as an excuse to bully their way through life. And I just think that's a, a different psychological problem. And many people with an opinion based on wrong information or based on their own theories or conspiracies that don't really exist, a lot of these people are just looking for something to feel empowered about or like there are other people who agree with them. And then they start to divide the world into people who agree with me and people who don't agree with me, friends and enemies, etc., etc. And it's really not how life works. Life is really a gray area of give and take and love and compromise and hurt feelings and all these, you know, it's just a mess. It's a big stew of things. And we're all going to get along better if we just accept that. We've got to live together, man. We're all on this planet together. 
and we don't have exactly lined up thinking with each other. There are different countries, different cultures, different people. Just accept it, love it, experience it, learn from other sides, listen to other sides. It's a beautiful way to live. I know when I travel and go to Europe or I've been to Australia or I've been to Cuba where it's a communist country, these are places where I have learned so much by just shutting my mouth, looking around and listening. You know, I didn't go to Cuba and start telling everybody how great I am as an American. It really does not go over well there. So look, man, we're all different. Just just, just relax. I mean, why can't we all just get along, as Rodney King said? But a lot of people who are taking these adamant positions are experiencing what's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Now, if you haven't heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect, let me read this definition. The Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias. Now, let me stop here for a minute. A cognitive bias is a systematic pattern of deviation from norm or rationality in judgment. Individuals create their own subjective reality from their perception of the input. So, in other words, people take what's really happening, true reality, and filter it through their own perception and then twist it around and believe that's the truth. Now, I know most of you didn't tune into this podcast to hear all this psychological crap, but it's been weighing upon me heavily and I felt like I needed to discuss it just a little bit. So anyway, the Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias in which people with low ability at a task overestimate their ability. It's related to the cognitive bias, again, of illusory superiority. So in other words, let's just simplify this. The Dunning-Kruger effect is when people perceive reality through their own biased, twisted thinking, and that thinking gives them an illusion of superiority. Now, I think we're all seeing that in our culture right now, every day, and especially on the news and social media and all this information that's coming toward us. You know, a hundred years ago, people wouldn't experience in a lifetime the amount of informational input that we experience in a day or a week. We have all this input that is just overwhelming to our brains that, you know, a hundred years ago, we wouldn't have had all this input. It was a much simpler way to exist. And I think people's brains are on overload, but I'm digressing here. Let me get back to this. So basically it's the inability of people to recognize their own lack of ability. That's it. The Dunning-Kruger effect comes from the inability of people to recognize their own lack of ability. Without self-awareness, people can't objectively evaluate their competence or their incompetence. And I know we're all seeing that, witnessing it every day, all the videos online, all the stuff going on. And I would just encourage you to relax and become more accepting of people with different opinions and not even opinions even if their facts are wrong even if they believe things that are not just opinions but that are scientifically wrong or or politically wrong or they're they just believe something completely off you don't have to join in the feeling of turmoil you can simply take a deep breath and walk away so that's that's what i'm getting at here sometimes people can't help being ignorant and we should just be much more relaxed about it and focus our attention and energy somewhere else more productive 
So that's me getting on my soapbox, and now I'm going to get off my soapbox and tell you the most amazing Waylon Jennings story. But first, we have a regular feature that we call Shameless Plug. Shameless plug, shameless plug, I'm going to make a shameless plug. Y'all want to hear a shameless plug, because I'm going to make a shameless plug. This is a short one. I just want to let you know that August 10th, my album 1965 is going to be released to all the streaming services. It'll be available August 10th. But if you can't wait and you want an autographed copy, just drop me a note or a direct message to any of my social media, at Dean Miller Music on Instagram, at Dean Miller page on Facebook and at Dean Miller music on Twitter. All right, back to our regularly scheduled program. Throughout my life, Waylon Jennings has always been around because he was a good friend of my dad's and they were pretty close. Waylon really admired my dad. You can probably see his quotes on my social media because I talk about Waylon a lot. Uh, I miss him and I admire him tremendously. I have had some amazing experiences with and around Waylon, um, and I'm going to tell several of those stories, but today's story starts in the mid-80s. There was a producer, a record producer, that was very, very well-known, and I'm going to leave his name out of this, but he was very well-known, produced a lot of big hit songs and records, and he and my dad were friends, and he came to visit us in Santa Fe, where we were living, and he told my dad that he was going through a real low point in his life and he was having uh, a trouble being creative. He was having trouble thinking of song ideas, writing songs. He wrote several big hit songs and he just felt like he had writer's block. And my dad, and, and this says a lot about my dad because he, he was this kind of person. He told this guy he could borrow this guitar and it was a very special guitar to my dad because he wrote all of his big hits on it. King of the Road, Dang Me, all these big hits he wrote on this guitar that he loved. And it wasn't that it was such a, an expensive, incredible guitar. It's that it had sentimental value to my dad and to our whole family because it meant so much to him because he'd written all these huge songs on it. And he loaned it to this guy to say, here, maybe this will inspire you. Maybe this will spark something in you and you'll be able to write something amazing. So he loaned the guitar to the guy and, you know, a lot of time went past and my dad never asked for it back. He never mentioned it. He let it go. And then my dad got very sick uh, and he died and he never went back and got that guitar. So after my father died and some time had passed, my family decided we were going to honor my father with a display at the Country Music Hall of Fame. And one of the things we wanted to put in the display was the guitar that he wrote all of his big hit songs on. So my stepmom went to the person that my dad had loaned this guitar to, and he said, and she said, can we have that guitar back to put in the museum in the Hall of Fame to make a display? And the guy said no. He said, Roger gave me that guitar, and I'm not giving it back. So here is a widow and her two children, and she's trying to do something to honor her late husband. And this guy said, no, I won't give you this to honor him at the Hall of Fame. Imagine that. 
Yeah, I, I still can't get over it to this day. So my stepmom just said, okay, whatever, let it go, be that way. So she let it go, never pursued it, nothing. And cut to a little while later, Waylon was making an album and he was looking for a producer for that album. And he was taking meetings with a lot of well-known music producers. And one of those meetings was with this guy who had borrowed the guitar. And the guy called him and said, I'd like to put my name in for producing your record. I'd like to talk to you about possibly producing your record. And I'd like to have a meeting with you. And Waylon said, sure, absolutely. Let's have a meeting. Let's talk about it. Meet me at my office at this time. And when you come, bring that guitar that Roger Miller gave you. And this guy couldn't believe it. He was stunned. And he wanted to produce Waylon so badly that he came to that meeting and he brought that guitar and they talked and they discussed things. And then Waylon said, you're not going to produce me. And by the way, leave that guitar when you go. Unbelievable, unbelievably cool, the baddest ass person ever. That guy stood up for my family, stood up for my father's memory, stood up for all of us and got that guitar back. Now, if you go to the Country Music Hall of Fame to this day, you can see the display where that guitar is in a case with the original lyrics to King of the Road and my father's 11 Grammy Awards. And that is in the Hall of Fame because of what Waylon Jennings did for my family. And I will never forget it. And I will always admire Waylon for it. And I will always love him for it because that's one of the most beautiful things somebody could do. Um, so that person has since passed away, the person that, uh, that did this. And um, it's sad. It's just very sad that people can be so small-minded about things. But, but in the end, everything worked out. And I have even more love for Waylon Jennings and his whole family, as a matter of fact, uh, because of that and for a million other reasons. Waylon was the man, let me tell you. So it looks like I've gone over time, but I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening. I love doing this podcast. It means a lot to me, and it means a lot to me that you're listening. If you enjoy it, I hope you'll tell your friends and neighbors. And until next time, this is Dean Miller, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dean's List. We'll